Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Bars to the Bar. Today, I will be talking about the NCAA women's tournament and how the women have been treated differently at their tournament um, down in San Antonio. For those of you who have been living under a rock, um, it's March Madness. It's March Madness for men's and women's basketball. And last week, um, there was a bunch of TikToks and tweets that came to light that the NCAA, which is the governing body that oversees um, all college athletics, basically made all these decisions to screw over the women's basketball team. And there was a lot of light that was shed on it, um, mainly by Oregon forward Sedona Prince. And she posted a TikTok of the weight room. So the weight room was kind of what started all Um, The women were given the heaviest weight was 15 pounds and a bunch of yoga mats. And I remember seeing a tweet last week about the men's basketball in in Indianapolis, their weight room, this amazing weight room, this huge conference room that had all the equipment you can imagine compared to the women um, who got basically nothing. And then they also did not get the same swag bags. Um, I remember when Providence made March Madness, um, the swag bags were were pretty good. They were I don't think they were as good as as what I saw on Twitter. I mean, I got this awesome um, March Madness Big Dance T-shirt, which is my favorite T-shirt on the planet. Getting off topic, but the women weren't given as much stuff. Everything that the women were like they got in their swag bags said women's um, tournament on it, which is kind of ridiculous. We obviously know it's the women's tournament. They know they're playing in the women's tournament. There's no really need to kind of not trademark March Madness since March Madness is such an iconic. Things. So it's kind of ridiculous that they did that. And then also the meals that the women were given was ridiculous. So it's crazy. So just to break down some of the numbers um, that the NCAA brings in during March Madness, obviously it's no secret that the men's March Madness team generates the majority of the money. It's obviously more watched than the women's team, more people in general in America, fill out men's basketball brackets as opposed to women, which is actually not the case this year because 100 um, women's men's basketball brackets actually went up 109%, which is awesome. And I think that a lot of the inequalities is actually like any publicity is good publicity. So shout out to the women for calling out the NCAA for their disparate treatment And I think that having a conversation about this is so critical, but my main kind of takeaway from this NCAA women's tournament debacle is that if people are surprised that this is happening or surprised that the NCAA is treating the women differently at the women's tournament differently, you're really not paying attention to what's going on in women's sports in general and what's going on, (laughs) what's been, has been going on since the conception of men's and women's sports. The gap is shrunk over time, but obviously it appears to be significant. So a little bit of history about Title Title IX and the NCAA in 1993, um, an NCAA gender equality task force found that 70% of participation opportunities and scholarship funds went to male athletes and 77% of operating budgets and 83% of recruiting budgets went solely to men's athletics. So flash forward to 2017, the NCAA reported that the gap is narrowed 
to 42% for men, 36% for women, and 21% unallocated in co-ed funds. So in Division Division I NCAA, not just Division One, in the NCAA in general, 42% of the budget is going to male athletes. And a lot of people blame the NCAA gender gap on football, obviously, because football generates a tremendous amount of money for the NCAA, and there's no equivalent female sport that either has that big of a roster or generates that much money and fan and betting. So people blame the NCAA or blame football for the gender gap, but that's not really the case because male coaches in general receive 70% of the coaching funds allocated by the NCAA. So obviously there's a much bigger problem here. Um, The NCAA president, whose name is Mark Emeritt, he wrote a letter acknowledging the stark contrast between the men's and women's basketball program and saying that the NCAA will review both. And I just want to quickly note that people don't really like the NCAA just in general. I know athletes complain about the NCAA primarily because the NCAA owns the athletes' lives. Essentially, when they're in college, they can't profit off their own names, which will hopefully change by July when um, the legislation's passed that athletes, athletes can benefit off their name, image, and likeness. And I am super excited for this legislation to pass because college athletes deserve to be to get the credit and to market themselves. And it's going the whole college athletic world is going to change so dramatically and tremendously, both for men's sports and women's sports. And I'm super excited for what this means for women's sports in general, just looking at the UConn star. Page, I mean, she generates, she has such a massive social media following. Oregon forward Sedona has a massive social media following right now. So this is huge for the men's sports, obviously, but it's also huge for the women's sports. I know women can get deals, for example, with makeup companies or shampoo and conditioner companies and all these things that necessarily men wouldn't exactly be targeted for for sponsorships. So that looks, that's going to be great. But going back to the letter that the NCAA president wrote, he said that they're going to review um, what happened and kind of realize um, why the inequalities resulted in the two different bubbles. Also, what I think is really crazy to note, too, is that the women were even given less reliable COVID-19 tests which is absolutely ridiculous. And I know that I sound a little bit of a hypocrite given that I worked with a men's basketball program as opposed to a women's basketball program, but there really is no difference between men's and women's basketball when it comes to terms of scheduling, traveling, practice time. Like there is absolutely no different. The only big difference is that the men's teams generally will generate more of a crowd as opposed to the women's basketball games and that's really the main difference and obviously you see that at a smaller level but you also see it at the grand level where you're just getting less viewership um less people quick note barstool sportsbook eric and ardini is doing this amazing bet on girls bet which i think would i mean we need to be betting on girls and obviously sports betting is a tremendously lucrative industry so hashtag bet on girls but the letter from emirate is just really it's not good, in my opinion. Um, Friar, Friar um, graduate, NCAA vice president, 
Dan Gavitt, he also issued an apology letter. And basically the apology says that they're deeply concerned about what's been going on um, in the in the bubble and that people are focusing on all the inequalities and not the <laughs> athletes themselves, which is exactly the point. Like the real whole reason that they're calling um, to light inequalities is because it's ridiculous. And I think the thing that bothers me the most in, in this whole thing is that obviously you're planning, the NCAA is planning for March Madness for months. And especially with the tournament getting canceled last year, they had a year to basically plan for this tournament. And they really didn't think that in 2021, people were not going to destroy them on social media for the way that they decided to treat the women's athletics. I mean, Dick Sporting Goods stepped up, donated a ton of equipment. Now they have a decent amount of equipment, not as much as the men's, obviously. But the fact that they were like surprised that social media called them out and calling to cancel the NCAA is absolutely ridiculous. Like the smallest situation in 2021 will escalate and will get gen and will get attention just because of the world we live in. And you would think that NCAA, who's in the business of college athletics and college students, make up so much of social media and TikTok, and college athletes have such a big, massive social media following. It's kind of ridiculous that nobody in the NCAA knew that this was going to happen. So quick March Madness, um, some statistics here. So 2019, before COVID, nearly 50 million Americans placed an av- uh, placed bets on uh, that totaled $8.5 billion on the tournament. Now, this is just the men's tournament. So 50 million Americans, 2019, $8.5 billion, billion dollars. 75 million employees spend about a half hour of their company time updating their brackets during the day during the tournament, costing their employees more than 13 billion. So companies are losing up to 13 billion dollars, according to Investopedia, the site I'm looking at right now. It's ridiculous. As everyone knows, March Madness is the NCAA's bread and butter. They could provide funding for everything that they do, every single sport, solely based on March Madness. March Madness generates $1.5 billion in revenue, and that represents for 90% of its annual revenue. So everyone says, oh, football is the reason for the gender inequality. No, it's not. It's the men's basketball March Madness event. And I don't want to undermine March Madness at all here. March Madness is the greatest sporting event ever. March is incredible. The fact that I had finals this year during March Madness is ridiculous. Um, I've been lucky to obviously go to March Madness. I've been lucky to lucky enough to be at the final four, playing the manager games. Um, and March really is, March Madness is the greatest thing on the planet. But I think this year with all the disgusting things that have been happening, the women's tournament, there's obviously a problem. And there's been lots of reactions from female coaches and NBA players and calling um, to do better and to be better. The NCAA in general just needs to really reevaluate what it's doing for women athletics. And they really, really failed. And there hasn't been a public apology. There hasn't been a lot of talk from men's basketball coaches, which is a little disappointing. In my opinion, I know one player in Gonzaga spoke out 
during one of the press conferences, he was wearing a WNBA orange hoodie, which is an, an iconic hoodie. I need to get my hands on one of those. But it's kind of disappointing that there hasn't been more outrage from the men's side. Um, I think that it's kind of, I mean, obviously when you're in the bubble, there's not much to do. So everyone in the bubble definitely saw, and I'm probably talking about what's going on with the women's tournament. So I think that the men's players probably should have said something. I mean, the NBA players can come out and defend them. It's kind of like the men, the men's, I feel like the men should have said something. Either players on the team that are still playing have played or just like basketball players in general, even though you're not at March Madness, I feel like they should have come out and kind of stood in solidarity with their fellow women college athletes. I mean, when it all boils down to, they're all athletes at the end of the day. And I know there's like a bond between them. So kind of ridiculous. So the NCAA claims that 96% of the money that it collects um, from March Madness goes back to the schools. And it's a system that places that assigns the value based on athletic performance. So the way it's kind of divvied up is obviously if your school advances and makes it to the final four, makes it to the championship game, even makes it to the elite eight, you're going to obviously generate more money than you're going to generate versus being in the playing game or not making the tournament at all. When Villanova won in 2018, I know it was great for the big, it's also just great for your conference. So when Villanova won, obviously Villanova generated a ton of money from the NCAA for winning, but also the Big East in general just benefits. Um, so it'd be definitely really interesting to see. Obviously we have some great games going on, lots of bracket busters. This March has been amazing for so many reasons. I think it's so amazing that we're able to have a tournament. Um, obviously stinks that VCU had a drop out because of COVID, but they're the only team so far that has had that problem. So I think side besides what's going on in San Antonio with the women, I think that in Indianapolis, they've done a great job of kind of turning that just whole town into a bubble. And I think what they're doing with having, um, the like things that they wear on their, I can't think of the word right now, on their ankle monitors. Um, so they stand six feet apart and everyone stays in their bubble. I think that a lot of players were complaining about the conditions of the bubble, but I think they should really just be happy to have, be having a tournament and be um, playing basketball in March and playing basketball in late March. That's obviously everyone's goal. You want to still be playing in April. I mean, that's the goal when you start the season. Shout out Loyola Chicago. I have Loyola Chicago in my final four. I made a bet with my friend Jack that two out of the final four teams are going to be Catholic schools. So I'm looking at you. I'm looking at Creighton, Nova, Loyola Chicago. Please, someone come through. Um, obviously, Gonzaga hopefully isn't a lock. Hopefully, I didn't jinx that. But I think it's definitely a possibility. I think anything can happen in March. Um, I have no real vested interest. I'm just a really big Loyola Chicago fan because of Sister Jean. Sister Jean is incredible. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the games. I'm excited for the 16. I'm excited that there's so many upsets. I love when 15 seeds and 12 seeds are playing and all the national attention that they're getting. Their admissions are going to go up. So it's just great. It really is. I love a good Cinderella story. And I absolutely like March is the best solely for all the Cinderella stories. Um, obviously, it's great to see number one seeds win in terms of just predictability. But like I said a few weeks ago, like anyone can win this tournament. And 2021 is such a strange year. And it's so weird. 
but who knows, who really knows what, what will happen. So every 60, so 68 teams obviously play in the tournament and each of these 68 teams gets um, a fraction of the money, like, like we just said, and it's broken down based on performance and a number of different factors as well. So for each game a team plays, its conference also gets a, it gets a payout, which is based on the performance over a six-year rolling period. So conferences get units for their tournament participations. So it's, it was in 2019, it was about $280,000. Like I said, it was great for the Big East. And since the Big East has been performing consistently, thanks to NOVA, um, during a six-year period, obviously they're going to continue to get that money as well. So for smaller, lesser-known conferences, the basketball fund money they can receive can represent more than 70% of their annual income. So it's a team like um, any 15 seed, basically, or a lesser-known team, Aberdeen Christian, for example. Um, so they're virtually unknown beforehand, or at least I didn't really know. I don't know if that's like a crazy hot take to say. This can be a much needed um, cash injunction for the team and the larger conferences like the ACC or the Big Ten. Obviously, it's not going to be that much of a big deal since their budgets and their annual revenue to begin with are pretty crazy. So what's going on right now with NCAA with fans is there's 25 percent capacity. Um, Indianapolis is awesome. Hinkle Fieldhouse is one of the coolest basketball arenas of all time. Um, I've been lucky to travel with Providence um, to be there to win there. Hinkle's amazing. I haven't been to the other venues, but Indianapolis is a really cool place to have it, which is really exciting um, doing that. So the NCAA, basically my problem with it is that obviously the college athletes are seeing none of this money that they're generating. And obviously what is an NCAA basketball tournament without the college athletes, they are the reason that they're in. So I think that in the future, when this legislation is passed, March Madness is going to look so different next year and hopefully when this legislation is passed in July. So essentially, if you don't know about um, this, this has been going on. There's been this age old question of should college athletics or should college athletes be paid or is their scholarship money enough and there's a lot of conflicting views in my personal opinion I believe that they should be able to get paid obviously when they're on scholarship um again their education paid for but they deserve so much more than what they're getting right now and since the NCAA is profiting over a billion dollars off of the athlete's name limited and likeness they should be and I think that social media landscape right now if you look at nate watson for example and all of his followers on tiktok nate for example could get sponsorship deals with agents and with um representation as soon as this legislation gets passed and i'm really excited for what that looks like i'm really excited for the kind of growth of the social media athlete star um i think you have people for example is like josh richards and all of his endorsement deals and everything right now so I think that the future is going to the future of college athletics is going to dramatically change once athletes are able to benefit off their name image and likeness so lots to look forward to there um, my prediction for the women's March Madness winner is UConn my prediction for the men's is Gonzaga I hope I'm right with both 
And thanks for listening to episode 21 of Bars to the Bar.